Hey Eden, it's great to be here with you today. My name is Joe and I'm part of the team here. Before we get started, I'd like to take some time to pray, so let's pray together. Father in heaven, you're so amazing. Thank you for this opportunity to come together and think about how good you are to us. I pray that your words come through today and that you touch people's hearts. We want more of you. Thanks for loving us. Amen. Okay, tomorrow will be starting 2024 and with a new year comes the hope and possibility of a fresh start. You have a blank slate to take steps to see real change in your life. It's probably why this season is for New Year's resolutions. Resolutions are funny because everyone knows they don't work, but they do them anyways. They're like Halloween costumes. You can tell the people that spent a lot of time on them and the ones that just picked something off the spot. We all know resolutions are about changing, but can people really change? We've probably all heard the statistic that only about 9% feel like they kept their resolution at the end of the year. I believe people can change now, but looking back, I always thought after you get a certain age, you might be able to make small changes or temporary changes, but the person really didn't change much. If you were a nice person, you were going to stay a nice person, and if you had a temper, maybe you can learn to control it, but you'd always have a temper. And of course, a person can lose weight or have a new job or get a family, but they'd always be that same person inside. It's like I thought people were bred. When you're young, you're like dough. You can change. You can stretch. You can grow. You can get some flavor. But at some point, you get baked, and from that point on, you're pretty much the same. Believing that makes it so easy to look at the different areas of your life that we don't like and think, that's just who I am. That's just how I'm baked. I'll always be like this. But if you step back and look at it, you might really want to change, but don't think you can. The good news is that change is possible. We're not stuck as bread. The Bible gives us hope. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. In some translations, it says, the new creation has come. Do you know how flan is made? I didn't, but a video popped up in my feed one time. I saw the chef put fully baked bread in a blender with egg and condensed milk, evaporated milk, sugar, and vanilla and blend it all up. And then put it in a baking tin with some caramel and pop it in the oven, put it in the fridge to chill. And then at the end, you get this amazing jiggly goodness of flan. Bread is good. I love bread, but flan is so delicious. And this is what God can do for you. If you were like me and thought that at some point you were just stuck for life, or if you see areas in your life you wish would change, like the way you crave others' approval, or push away people you love the most, or quitting when things get the hardest, or any of the other deep things you might want to change, then this is good news. What I'm trying to say is you don't have to be bread. You can be flan. You can be different, you can be new, you can change. God can change you into something new. So let's talk about how we can see that change in your life. The first step is to identify what to change. And a good indicator you're on the right track is when you feel bad after doing something. You feel kind of guilty. If it's something you know you shouldn't be doing, that's guilt and you should look into that more. But if it's something you feel bad about because others make you feel bad, that might be shame. Like if whenever you think about changing, the first thing that comes to mind is someone else's voice, then it's probably shame. The good news is God can help with that. The Bible has lots to say about who you are and how loved you are. For those feeling shame, I just want to let you know that there's hope. And if you're not sure if it's guilt or shame, just tackle that area later. The areas you want to change most in your life will likely make themselves obvious to you. 
Let me give you an example of when I discovered I needed to change. One day, I was listening to a Sunday message and I realized I was not a generous person. And that's a strange realization to have because I've always been a pretty nice guy. I've always knew in my mind that being generous was a good thing and I've always been surrounded by generous people. So since I'm nice and I know it's the right thing and I have generous people in my life, then I must be generous, right? Maybe, but I needed to do a little research before I was convinced that it was true. First, I looked at the generous people in my life and what they were doing. Like one of the most generous people I know is my grandma. She might be watching now, so hi, grandma. She's the reason that I knew what Disneyland was when I was a kid or where New Zealand is. She showed me a lot of lands. <laughs> Sorry for the dad joke, I'm a dad now. She's also always had these pictures on her refrigerator of kids from other countries who she sponsored. They sent her thank you letters about how much they are learning and growing because of her generosity. Or I have a buddy named John who always paid for me whenever we were out when I was unemployed. There are so many people in my life who were generous that I knew what it looked like. Then I looked at my life and it didn't look the same. Next, I thought about what the opposite of generous would look like. That type of person would only spend money on themselves. Whenever they saw an opportunity to give, they would think people should totally do that, but then not give. And that was me. When there was an opportunity to give, I would always have some sort of justification for why my money stayed in my bank account. And they were great justifications, but I'd also have great justifications on why I could spend my money on my favorite tabletop games or board games or any games really. Oh, and food. Never had a problem going to eat out or buying sweets. At that point, I kind of looked at my life as if it were a movie and asked, is that character generous? I found that I wasn't convinced anyone would describe me that way and I knew that I wouldn't. That's when I knew I needed to change. And if I'm honest, there was always a little something there pulling at me whenever there was an opportunity to be generous. I just tried to explain it away or ignore it. I also wanna mention that this talk is not about money. I'm sharing an example of my life when I realized I needed to change my relationship with money, but this is not a money talk. Plus, generosity can be more than just money. It can be your time too. For me, generosity with my time came later. For you, it might be generosity with your time or money, it might be temper, it might be wanting to be better than others. There are tons of things you might think about changing. So the first step is to identify what you wanna change. So I know that I wanna change, what's next? Well, I'm glad you asked. First off, congratulations. I know it's not easy to realize that you wanna change, so I'm proud of you. Step number two is don't keep doing the same thing. I'm sure you can find this step in every self-help book. Change up your habits, start a new routine, change your environment. I actually think it's good advice. What's the old saying? If you keep doing what you're doing, you always get what you got. Or the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but expecting different results. But who can I trust to give me a different way than what I've been trying? The self-help book will say, trust me. I know we'll make you better. Trust in my experience in your life will be different. Or they might even say, trust in yourself. The answer has been inside you the whole time. And I always think, well, you might have seen change in your life, but I'm not you. And, or to the second statement, trust in myself, do you know me? Have you seen how often I mess up? I think Paul says it perfectly, and this is one of the reasons why I love the Bible so much, because it explains the human condition so well. In Romans 7:19, it's talking about that part in all of us that makes it hard to trust even ourselves. It says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. 
And this is coming from someone who Jesus literally trusted to spread the message to the world. And at this point, I'm hoping you realize I'm the exact same way. I'm just as messed up as you are, maybe even more. I know some people who are more kind, loving, and generous than me that are online today. So you definitely can't trust me with the change you're looking for. So if we can't trust the self-help book with some of these changes that we want, and we can't trust ourselves because if we're honest, we feel just like Paul about doing wrong, then who can we trust? If you said Jesus, you're correct. In the middle of the Bible, there's this book of Proverbs, an awesome book with real life tips and sayings that help with day-to-day life. In chapter three, verse five and six, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and you can trust him. We just celebrated how God came down as a baby and as he grew up, he lived a perfectly sinless life. Then he bled and died to have a relationship with you. You can trust the person that does that for you. And that's how you do something different. That's how you stop doing the same thing over and over. If you've tried listening to other people or tried doing what you thought was right or what felt was right and it hasn't made any difference and you haven't seen any change, then try trusting God. If you do, the proverb says, he'll make your path straight. A straight path is easier than a windy one. It won't be easy, just easier. You'll still have to walk down the road and face whatever's there, but at least you'll be taking the easier path. First off, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. The straight path will get you to the destination quicker than the windy one. If you want less anger, more generosity, less shame, or real purpose in your life, trusting in God will get you there quicker than trying any other way. The windy path will take you in one direction, and then when you realize that wasn't the answer, then you have to try a different direction, back and forth until you find the straight path. If you want a sign pointing to the straight path, here it is. Secondly, who knows what's around the corner of a windy road? Following someone else might lead you to a dead end. Trying what makes you feel happiest might leave you empty. You can't see what's ahead of you on a windy road. With a straight path, you can see far down the road. You can see what to expect and eventually what's waiting for you at the end. If you trust in God, you get to see what that life looks like. It looks like Jesus. It looks like his life. It's not easy. There will be difficulty on that path and you'll expect it because he says so. But In the end, the destination looks like an impactful life with meaning and purpose. So you can trust what God says. But what does following him look like? When I realized I wasn't a generous person, the first thing I knew I had to do was give money to him and his church because that's mentioned in the Bible. Give him my first and best, even if I didn't want to, even when I was afraid I wouldn't have enough. I had to actually do something different. Then I started to do other things that I saw generous people do like tip and take the opportunities in front of me to give. What does a generous person do? They do generous things. Before, I think I had this idea that if I wanted to be generous, all I had to do is pray and then one day I would wake up and I would have tons of money and then it would be easy to give it away. Or if I didn't wake up with tons of money, at least I would wake up and the desire to keep it all for myself would go away and I'd happily give it away. I'm not saying that God can't bless you or help you feel differently. And actually I've seen Stuff like this happened in my own life. But you know how life works. You have to do something to see change, not just think about it. You put in the hours of the gym and you see results. You plant a seed and it takes time, but eventually it grows. 
That's why I love when Dan reminds us that there's something powerful about taking physical steps after making a faith decision. James, the brother of Jesus, mentions this in the New Testament. In James 1, 22, it says, but don't just listen to God's words. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. I was fooling myself when I thought I was generous because I knew that generosity was a good thing. I could see that giving money away and not just keeping it for myself was good, but good for other people. I was the exception. I was fooling myself. If you wanna see change, don't keep doing what you've always done. There is a different way out there. You'll need to trust God and what he says more than you trust your own feelings, but if you can, you'll see progress. The last of the steps is you can't do it by yourself. This last one is a self-help staple. You can't do it alone, so you need a team or a coach or a community, people to help you along your journey and keep you going in the right direction. And while this is a great way to accomplish goals and change certain things in your life, we just talked about how there are some things you just can't fix in yourself. And everyone will tell you you can't change someone else, so why would you expect another person to change you? The things we really want to change, we can't do by ourselves. But the God who knows you and made you for a purpose can. Earlier, we talked about how God can make you a new creation. The Bible also talks about what part of that new creation looks like. You get a new heart, not just the one that pumps blood in your chest, but the one where you get your gut feelings from. And the one you listen to when somebody says, follow your heart. In the Old Testament, a prophet named Ezekiel heard from God about it. In Ezekiel 36, 26, God said to him, and I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. We all know what a stony, stubborn heart feels like, at least I know. It's the one that wants to be right instead of kind when I'm in an argument with my wife. It's the one that wants to make excuses when I get the opportunity to be generous. It wants revenge instead of mercy. We all know what a tender, responsive heart looks like. It's the opposite. It's loving instead of needing to win the argument. It's giving when you don't feel like it. It's mercy instead of revenge. This is how we choose not to do it alone, by trusting God and recognizing we can't do it by ourselves. We find out that God has known that from the beginning and is ready to send a helper to come and do what we can never do for ourselves. That helper comes and changes our hearts. The same hearts that want to do good, but choose to do bad. The perfect example of this is a story I heard in the Alpha Course. If you haven't taken the Alpha Course, I highly recommend it. The story is told by a survivor of Nazi internment named Corrie Ten Boom. While interned, she saw her sister killed at the hands of the Nazi guards. Corrie was saved and years later was speaking at a church on the topic of forgiveness. At the end of the service, an older man walked up to her and asked if she remembered him. She recognized who he was. He was a guard at the camp where she was interned and where her sister was killed. He said he was a Christian now and he knew that God had forgiven him, but he wanted to ask for her forgiveness and stuck out his hand waiting for hers. She mentioned that it probably only took seconds, but it felt like hours. She knew what the Bible said about forgiveness, how God forgives us for what we do wrong and how forgiveness is more than a feeling, it's an action. She had just given a talk about forgiveness and she couldn't do it. How could she? But she prayed silently. Jesus, help me. I can lift my hand. 
I can do that much. You supply the feeling. Then she explained next. So woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand out to the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. She couldn't do the impossible. Not even this incredible survivor of the most horrible thing that could happen to a person. Not by herself. But she knew enough to trust God and take the action that she could. And God gave her the strength she never could have gained for herself. I know the steps I mentioned aren't easy. You need to be willing to recognize there are parts of your life that you desperately want to change. But you can't do it on your own. Then you have to be able to trust in God more than you trust yourself. And trust that if you follow Him, He'll give you the tools and help that you need to change the seemingly unchangeable parts of you. But if you can do that, you can see the improvements you never thought you'd see. When I started taking the steps to be more generous, I heard that it changes your relationship with money. I knew in my head about the concept, but I didn't know what that looked like in my life. Being generous with my money meant that I was trusting God with it. I trusted that if I gave him my first and best, and if I used the money that he gave me to help people, he would take care of me. And he did. I quickly realized that the only reason that I had any money at all was because he was letting me hold it for a while. During this journey to be more generous, I was also without a job a few times. And I saw how each time he provided enough when I didn't have an income and provided the next job for a new income. Some of you may know that I have a new son. And some of you might also know that almost the whole first year of my son's life and up until the time of this recording, I've been without a job. Now I can't help but think that the most common response to that situation would be to stress out and worry about providing for my family. But since the day I got the news that I was getting laid off, I was sad, but I had peace about the situation. But it hasn't been easy. It's a new level of trust. Would I be generous when I had a new fear? Would there be enough to provide for my new family? Every time I had the opportunity to give or even just see the option to tip, I had a great excuse to skip this time. I was unemployed and had a son. I'll just continue to be generous after I get a job. But I knew that would be going back. And I knew that I had to continue on the journey that I was on. Plus, by that time, I had gone through enough times of unemployment that I knew that even though my situation had changed, what I needed to do had not. I had to trust in the Lord. And I knew from experience that I could trust Him. And He's been taking care of us ever since. Right now, there are probably three groups of people out there, and I want to give some next steps for each group. The first group can't really find anything about themselves they want to change. To this group, I would like to say, you have some very good reasons to learn about Jesus. He's the only person I know who didn't have to change anything because he was perfect. So you two might have a lot in common. You can learn about how he went through his life as a perfect person and compare notes. But really, checking out the life of Jesus will give you a great perspective on your own. The second group is the people who have a relationship with Jesus and want to see change. You know what you want to change and want to put your trust in him, but you either haven't trusted him to take the next step or haven't asked for his help in that area. I want you to pray along with the next group, but don't pray this same word, prayer word for word. Make it your own, but take the time to ask God to help you with the seemingly unchangeable and make a commitment to him to do your part. 
The third group is the people who never put their trust in Jesus. For whatever reason, that option has never been on the table for you. But you want the change that seems so possible now, especially after trying so many things and never seeing results. Jesus came to earth as a baby, lived a perfect life, and died a painful death to prove that you can trust him. There's no better time than now. You've heard the stories and seen the examples. Now you can take the step. If that's you, you can pray with me. So wherever you are, you can close your eyes and pray these words that I'm about to pray. And there isn't any special power in the words, but it's all about the condition of your heart and your willingness to finally trust. Pray with me. God, I lived my life and tried my best, but I've always come up short. I realize that I can try my whole life and never fix myself. I want to do something different. I want to trust you. I want to take my first step in this direction and I'm hoping that I'll see real change in my life. I believe you can change my heart and make me a new person. I want to see you in my life. I trust you to change me. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to take one more big step you just heard how when you take action, it starts something amazing in your life. I wanna ask you to click the button at the bottom of the screen. We have people waiting to connect with you and give you more information. I pray that each of you can take the steps to put more trust in God. And I pray that you see the change you never could imagine. Thank you so much for joining today. Happy New Year.